0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Rolling on through. Welcome on in, everybody. We are continuing, we are doing well, we are living fresh, eat fresh. We are actually, at, I would be obligated if I didn't say, we are in the first day of October. Hope everybody's doing well, hope everybody's doing safe. This is Jonas Nordman, this is the Believe and Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you as always for listening. Yes, it is officially fall, it is officially is it the best time of the year? It's up there. I know. I just love it. I love fall. I don't love the term autumn. I don't know. Although when I say that the leaves are falling in fall, it's a bit of a tongue twister, but I digress. Big show today. Got an update from Orlando in multiple ways, actually. And then our Big 12 preview is going to continue to roll on through. Got a big one today. It's an old rival. It was not that powerful anymore. Mentioned it last week. You probably know who we're going to be talking about, but let's get to the business. This is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? So, yeah, as I said, update from Orlando to start things off I'm Sorry, I'm a little giddy right now. Got a lot of good stuff for the episode today. I've sort of realized that it's become a news aggregator show for the time being. Not, not as much reaction. But, you know, when the season starts, we'll get to that. But the news, or I guess I'll start with, there's one Jayhawk left in the NBA playoffs. I've done sporadically the NBA updates for you, so you know what's going on with the Jayhawks. One last of the Mohicans. It is Markeith Morris. And it's sort of weird. The Morris brothers, right, now have now sort of become wily veterans in the NBA. Or I know, I certainly remember the days going back to 2011. Nine years doesn't seem that long ago when the Morris twins were just fresh-faced fang- fresh youngsters for the Kansas Jayhawks, and they certainly had an attitude then, and they still have an attitude. And Markeith, in game one of the NBA Finals last night, played pretty well. couple threes made, stretching the floor. Uh, Miami liked to double-team Anthony Davis a lot, who was willing to kick it out to Markeith, and he made them pay. So there's now a video going around, and it's was officially tweeted and Instagrammed by KU Hoops, Kansas basketball, their official social media platforms, if you will. And it's a video of LeBron. LeBron James, if you're familiar. May have heard of him. He's at the victory parade for the Cleveland Cavaliers back in 2016, right? Yeah, I think 2016. And he turns and he goes, you know, someone once told me, and maybe it was Mario Chalmers once told me, I can't win a championship without a Jayhawk on my roster. Everyone's like, yeah, woo. And he turns and he acknowledges Sasha Khan who was on the team, he was on the platform there. Uh, He was on the stage, I should say. And Sasha's just sitting there sort of sheepishly grinning. But it's true. LeBron has never won an NBA title without a Jayhawk on his team. Two with Mario Chalmers in the Miami Heat. One with Cleveland and Sasha Khan. And it sort of looks like that Markeith Morris very well could be the next Jayhawk to get a ring while doing his thing with the king just saw some injury updates for Miami it's not looking good Lakers are sitting pretty which means that Markeith could be an NBA champion what a year could be for the Morris twins I know the world is ending blah 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 but they both get traded to the same city not the same team necessarily but Marcus went to the Clippers Markeith became a Laker so I assume they're roommates for a while there Marcus got his number retired at the field house. Very cool. Almost like, I mean, it's, it's it was for Marcus, but it's almost like a Morris Twins number retirement, right? Come on. You can't go, you can't have one without the other, essentially. They both went to the NBA playoffs. They both experienced this bubble. And it's very likely that Markeith is going to walk away with an NBA championship, so... I was about to say congratulations to the Morris family, but uh, that's a little little early. Lakers still have a lot to take care of. So that's one update from Orlando. My second one is this, and I saw this tweet from John Rothstein. Call him the go-to writer or insider for college basketball. John Rothstein, who they named the IRA Roth after because he's such an insider. And his tweet read this, read like this. How about Kansas's first month of the season? So, what I'm getting at here is, and this is me talking, looks like things are coming together. In fact, what has happened is the Big 12 decided to put two conference games in the month of December. Whoa, breaking news, I know. You may have missed this amongst all the NFL, all the NBA, all the baseball playoffs going on, but yes, The Big 12 decided to slide a pair of conference games into December. So, who is Kansas going to be playing? This is all going to be part of their first month of the season tweet. Wooden Legacy. They'll be playing the Wooden Legacy, uh, a tournament that's going to include UCLA, Virginia, Georgetown. You know, Georgetown's not that great, but name brand value. Champions Classic versus Kentucky. Likely to be in Orlando, as we've talked about. Probably to be in a bubble setting. That and the Wooden Legacy Tournament. Creighton. So they are going to play Creighton. The Big 12 Big East battle. The Big 12 Big East showdown is going to happen. And the date has been set for that. Creighton at Kansas, December 4th. That's going to be a tough game. Creighton's really good, and they bring back a lot of talent. So that's December 4th. Creighton is coming to Lawrence. Here come the Blue Jays. And then here are the two Big 12 games that Kansas will be playing in December. <laughs> and they're, they're two toughies. It's like, will they be easing into the Big 12 season? Will the calendar turn? And will Kansas be, have a, a comfy 2-0 lead on top of the Big 12 standings? No. They're going to play at Texas Tech, who's going to be very good and versus West Virginia. So no easing into the big 12 season this year. Certainly hope. I mean, one of those games is at home. So you certainly hope that you win it. I sort of expect any game played at the Fieldhouse to be a victory. Sorry. That's just me. Maybe unfair, but that's sort of the expectations they've put upon themselves. But it's a, Decent chance they go into Big 12 play 1-1, one and one, which is fine. It's just Baylor's going to be really good this year, and you're going to have to be keeping in step with the Baylor Bears. Texas Tech is going to be solid. People think Oklahoma is going to be a sleeper team. People think this could be Shaka Smart's best team at Texas. You know what that means. They'll be disappointing. They'll finish sixth. <laughs> Regardless, that's the point of our Big 12 previews. We'll get to that in just a second. But, yeah, that's a loaded first month. Once again, Kansas is likely to have one of the, if not the toughest schedules in the nation. And they'll probably win 25 or so games. 25, to, well, they're playing fewer games this sure. year. And it'll be a strong case for a number one seed if everything goes to plan. But man, games against UCLA, Virginia, If that's what they play in the wooden legacy, Kentucky, Creighton, Texas Tech, West Virginia. Whew. I'll say this Kentucky, Creighton, Texas Tech, West Virginia. Or maybe if you go the other way around, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Creighton, Kentucky. That'd be a hell of a run through like an NCAA tournament. So a lot of quality victories there for the taking. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know who you think the next Jayhawk LeBron should team up with if he wants to win another title. Now, he had two with Chalmers. He has the one with Khan. Maybe he'll have, hopefully, he'll have this one with Markeef. He's gotta spread his Jayhawk love around. Who's still out there? Thomas Robinson's now out of the league. Uh, hey, you, you could probably use like Ben Mclemore for his shooting ability. Stretch the floor. That wouldn't be a bad signing for LeBron. Who else is out there? Ooh, Andrew Wiggins always seems to be on the trade market these days. Maybe he could bring Wiggins in, revive his career. What about oh, Joel Bede? Uh, he, he won't need him, though, because he and Anthony Davis are now connected at the hip. Hmm. Let me know. If there's a Jayhawk out there, maybe the Lakers will be able to snatch either Azebuki or Devon Dotson in the draft. Speaking of which, I did see the names released. This wasn't even on the rundown. I just this just popped in my mind. The names named for the names named, easy for you to say. For the NBA combine coming up pretty soon here. Both Devon and Yudoka will be at the combine. Really good opportunity for those two to show what they're all about. I saw LaMelo Ball did pull out of the event. Okay. He's probably going to be a top 2 pick. No need to do anything. It would have been really fun for, like, Devon Dotson to go at LaMelo. I, I, I have a really good feeling about Devon Dotson going to the NBA. I really do. He may have to have a year of seasoning like Frank Mason or Devontae Graham down in, like, the G League or something. But I don't know. The way he played defense this past year, the speed is something that can't be taught. The finishing ability. Is the shot a little broken? You know, I wouldn't even call it broken. I just think it needs some fine-tuning. If that's the case, you know, big things could happen. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on Devon's career. That's for sure. Yadoka, I don't know. I just feel like he's in the wrong era. But moving on, let me know who you think the next Jayhawk to win with LeBron will be at JonasN310 on Instagram. Slide into my DMs, DMs. Let me know about that slate of games. It'll be tough. You expecting a perfect record? Who would you be okay losing to? Probably like someone in the wooden legacy, right? Because you don't want to lose to Kentucky. That would just hurt so badly. A game at the field house, like I said, would be impermissible. They lost to Creighton. And then you don't want to start one and one in the Big Twelve, although the game at Texas Tech, it is what it is. Moving on to our big 12 preview. Oh, and I should mention, there probably will be fans, I assume, at the Texas Tech game, right? I just saw that MLB will be allowing some something like 11,000 fans for their NLCS and World Series games being played in Arlington, Texas. Uh, we know that Texas, the state of Texas, is allowing like 50% capacity for stadiums right now. By December, who knows? Texas Tech figures to have... Some sort of crowd to make life difficult going down to Lubbock, which is t- tough enough as it is. All right. Now we move on. Last week, we talked about K-State. This week, we move on to their Farmageddon rivals. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about the Cyclones, Down in Ames, Iowa State, and man, man, What a disappointing season they had last year. What happened to Iowa State? I guess we'll get into a little bit here, but perennial top two or three seed in the NCAA tournament, George Niang, Monte Morris, all those guys, other names that I can't remember now off the top of my head. But what a thorn in the side of the Jayhawks. And last year, 12 and 20, five and 13 in conference. 72 points per game, tied 157th in the nation. You know, 72 72 points per game? That's actually a decent clip to be scoring at. But they allowed 73 per game. This might be what really killed them, though. 34.3 rebounds per game. That was tied for 288th in the nation. They got beat up on the boards. 13.8 assists per game, 134th in the nation. We'll get to in a second, but remember, they did have Tyrese Halliburton, who will be a lottery pick, point guard, for those assists. But what a disappointing year. They lost a game to Florida A&M last year. That's FAMU. The Rattlers. Florida A&M taking down the Cyclones. And in fact, Iowa State will begin the season on a four-game losing streak. Yes, they sort of crawled their way to the finish line last year. They weren't really doing that great to begin with, but the season was essentially lost when the aforementioned Tyrese Halliburton broke his wrist in early February at a time when he was averaging 15.2 points per game, 5.9 rebounds per game, and six and a half assists. And that was in 22 games. Broke his wrist, said, I'm just going to sit out the rest of the year. And they just went right into the toilet from there. From last year, including Halliburton, they lose six players. That also includes Michael Jacobson, who I did not realize was a senior last year. <laughs> Oops. But that guy was a thorn. Really not that great of a player. Mediocre, but always seemed to show up against Kansas, don't they always? A little bit of an inside-outside threat. A little undersized. Solid player, I guess. But really made life difficult for the traditional bigs for Kansas. But he's gone. But They do return four solid contributors, including their leading scorer after Halliburton went down, or Sear Bolton, a junior guard who averaged 14.7 points per game last year. That's not a bad tool to bring back to your shed. Also coming back, Solomon Young, a senior forward, 9.8 points per game. Okay. George Condit, fourth. Not to be confused with George Condit, the third, of course. Junior Ford, seven points per game. And Trey Jackson, freshman last year, sophomore this year. That's how it works. He's a guard who only averaged 4.3 points per game. But he did play 22 minutes a game last year. So as a freshman, that's pretty good experience. Really got his feet wet in the Big 12. (laughs) And man, we know Iowa State tends to be transfer central. And they are not disproving that this year. Eight new players, much like K-State last week, eight new players for Iowa State, four freshmen, four transfers. We start with the one who probably have the biggest impact, the top recruit, one of the top recruits, actually, in Iowa State history, according to 24-7 Sports, Xavier Foster is the key new guy, seven-foot, four-star recruit, I believe he's actually from Iowa, let me double check here. Oscaloosa, Iowa. So, yes, the number one player in the state stays within the state borders. Well done for you, Steve Prome. Way to put up a wall around Ames, or around the state, I should say. Seventy-two second, 72nd nationally ranked player is Xavier Foster. Again, seven foot, 225, could be a load down low. Jalen Coleman lands. Averaged 11.1 points per game at DePaul. They will be looking for that from him at Iowa State. And then a transfer from Memphis, Tyler Harris. So those are sort of the names they'll be looking for. Xavier Foster, Jalen Coleman, Lance, Tyler Harris. They want those guys to come in and make an impact. The big blow, though, for Iowa State is the name they... Probably expected to be maybe their second leading scorer, and that's Blake Hinson. Who? Blake Hinson was a transfer from Ole Miss, and he's going to miss the season with a quote unquote medical condition. I know you're probably sitting there like, don't, every time someone misses any sort of time, it tends to be a medical condition, but. <laughs> Due to HIPAA laws, they didn't want to disclose exactly what was going on with Blake Hinson, which is fine. That's fair. I believe they sent him back home to his family in Florida. They said it was not COVID-related, so that's good. Uh, but Blake Hinson reportedly is out for the season. And for those who were wondering, you know, just for the just for the record, Blake Hinson actually is a guy who left Ole Miss, Mississippi, because he didn't want to be associated with their state flag anymore. So good for you, Blake Henson. We wish you well. Here's the outlook for Iowa State. If they want to be successful, if they want to be a mid-tier and maybe push for like a a higher seed in the NCAA tournament, Rasir Bolton's going to have to have a huge year. Point Blake, a guy who averaged 14 points per game last year, is going to have to get to that, if not more. Trey Jackson, Coleman lands will have to be important on the perimeter. They will likely have to be their three point threats. Reportedly. Trey Jackson is a solid three point shooter. They're going to need that from the freshman guy. Averaged four points per game last year. Going to have to bump that up. Certainly can Xavier Foster can Condit and young provide enough down low. That might be the question. A team that did not rebound at all last year. As I, as well, I am reiterating that right now. But as I mentioned earlier in the segment, they're going to be facing front courts like David McCormack, the big bullies Schwiebre and Culver at West Virginia. You know, Texas always has athletic bigs. Baylor. We know about their length. We know about their size. Those are some tough front courts. So can Foster, Condit, and Young provide enough down there? And really, this is a big year for Steve Prohm. Head coach Steve Prohm came in from Murray State. Remember he had that team with Isaiah Cannon. They were running all over the place. Had like a 32-win season, something like that. But in my mind, he's essentially brought Iowa State back to the early days of the Hoiberg era. Do you remember those days? Like, we remember fondly and certainly the people of Ames remember fondly like the middle to end of the Fred Hoiberg era where they were competitive where they were close to big 12 titles where they won the big 12 tournament a number of times actually. Or again, they were like two and three seeds in the NCAA tournament or they then lost their like first game of the NCAA tournament all the time. But when he first got there, they were a joke. And right now, a team that only won 12 games overall last season, even with a future NBA lottery pick, was still a really bad team. To me, it looks like Steve Prohm has brought the Iowa State Cyclones back to the depths of the Big 12. Big year for him. And when it's a big year... These coaches tend to go with sort of panic moves. I think he's hoping essentially that all the transfers can provide a a quick fix. No Blake Henson, already a bad sign. And like K-State, like I said last week, is there enough practice time to gel these guys together? And if if there's not, is there too much Big 12 inexperience? And as I was writing this note, I said, I was thinking about the fans. I was thinking about how is the Big 12 going to go this year? Like, will it be as nasty going to Allen Fieldhouse this year? Will it be as nasty going to Baylor, K-State? I guess I'm thinking from a Kansas perspective. Hilton Coliseum, obviously. Like, what are the capacities going to be? How is that going to affect how rough and tumble road life on the Big 12 is going to be? So maybe the Big 12 inexperience doesn't make a big difference this year. I think it does, though. I think they could, if everything goes right, battle for like seventh place in the Big 12. Maybe they get lucky, get sixth, make the NCAA tournament. I think they likely finish eighth, though. K-State, as I mentioned last week, is a ninth to tenth place type of team. Throw in TCU. And then Iowa State into that mix for the bottom third of the league. So that's ISU. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know if you've done any research on the Cyclones. Let me know if you have any Cyclone fans, Cyclone fan friends who have given you some insight that I missed out on. I don't know. Just they they seem so underwhelming now. Recruiting-wise, 24-7 had them as the fifth best recruiting class coming into this season out of the 10-team Big 12. So it looks like they're sort of restocking. Not the best, but it could be worse. That does include the transfers, and that does include Blake Hinson, who, again, will not be playing. At least for the time being, he will not be playing. I've just been so wildly under-impressed. So not impressed at all by the job that Steve Prohm has done. There was just such a really good foundation laid by Fred Hoiberg. Say what you want by them living and dying by the three when Hoiberg was there, but this is Iowa State. And he made them competitive. They were a force. They were it was tough to go to Hilton Coliseum. There's no doubt about that. Is Hilton magic BS? Yes. <laughs> you don't have magic if you randomly just beat, you know, Kansas every three years. But it doesn't that doesn't mean it wasn't a tough environment. And Steve Brohm has essentially ripped that apart. So they, they likely won't be competitive this year. If they are, I'll be surprised. I think most of the people will be surprised. And that's Iowa State. And that's how the Cyclones tumble. Next on the list next week, that'll be TCU. The other team I mentioned could be a bottom third finisher. They lose a lot. They lose Desmond Bain. What's the outlook? You're going to have to tune in next week. Appreciate you listening. Thanks as always. October is here. That means November is right around the corner. Which means that college basketball is creeping ever so close. I think we're give or take 55 days away from college basketball starting on the 25th, but who's counting? This is Jonas Nordman signing off. Bidding you a good rest of your week, a great weekend. Stay cool, at least where I'm at. It's pretty hot out. Maybe you're having a great fall day. Crunch around in those leaves or something. Bake yourself a pie cozy up to someone in a blanket but I will say this rock John. thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube